like this is like where it should be going. Like this. That's, that's fine. Good, right there. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, yeah. Boom, boom, boom. A little bit lower, me. Hello, 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 hello. Yeah, mine's and mine's pretty. Mine's pretty. Th- mine's thick. She sells seashells. <laughs> girthy. Seashore. <laughs> a little girthy. All right, well. Girthy. It's weird. It's it's like it's. Ba- I'm gonna just do it at like a do negative. You remember four. that ballpark Frank or whatever it was commercial where the dude was like talking about girthy. He was all girthy. And really? Talking, girthy, hot, girthy hot dogs. He was just talking about them being girthy, and it was just like. Oh, wow. You don't remember this? No. Yeah. That no one managed to get right by me. Yeah, it surprises me. It wasn't on long, I, but I'm usually on the lookout for. Oh yeah, he he was emphasizing girthy, and I was like. Yeah. Hear that? Danny's a vegetarian. That's it. Wham, bam, thank you, Scott. Woo! It's all right. Uh, you recording? I am. Podcasting from the Sportique Studios. Proud to be the new home of Al Jazeera America. This is the South Stands Denver Fancast. I'm Colin Daniels with producer... Scott Stafford, the entire on-air cast of the former 105.5 ESPN NFL insider and friend of the cast, Cecil Lammy, and your new golden-voiced homeless guy, the working man, Nate Kreckman. Yeah. Hearty, hearty applause. Thank you so much. Um, when it's just been me and Colin in here lately, it's the, the, pol- the applause has been paltry, so it's nice to have everyone honor me in such a way. So appreciate it. Welcome to the show, everybody. The South Stands Denver Fancast. We're back. We've got a lot to discuss. And uh, with us, well, first, I'll get to our guest, but welcome back, Scott. He's been on the IR for, uh, for, for a few weeks now. Be back. Be back. Um, he had a backyotomy, as, as Cecil mentioned, and um, it's, uh, it, was, it was a tough road but he's back and uh, now hopefully everything will sound groovy again and we appreciate you making the trip down thank you john right on right on gentlemen welcome back to the show and uh it's very nice to have you back it's been a while and i think you guys have been on together in the past right no we have and i thought you we guys have we have podcasted together in the past I think you it guys did have. Anyway, Cecil Lammy. Can't believe you forgot it. I know. What, what a jerk. Yeah, what's up, dude? <laughs> I Unreal. just remember the one we got in trouble with with me and D-Max. That's so. true. You were, you were. That remains <laughs> to this day the most yeah, epic yeah, of fan yeah, But, uh, was but Nate Crackman, Cecil Lammy here with us. Um, they've uh, they got some time on their hands, so they thought, yeah, they'd, we're come available. And thought they'd come down and chat with us. So, uh, But it's wonderful to have you guys back, and uh, we're going to have a good time, uh, good time chatting with you. So, so what's up? What are you guys doing? I went to stretch class today. Wow. Kid you not. Isn't that like, is that yoga or is it different? It's not exactly yoga. It's uh, it's stretch for ballet dancers. Okay. I have a friend who instructs this class, and so I, I don't want to end up like Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I thought. And you don't. No, you don't. I don't. So I've been doing that twice a week. So Thursday well, Monday and Thursday. So Thursday is my big day to actually put clothes on, leave the house, 
and then go down and go to stretch class. And then maybe so, stop over for some quinoa <laughs> somewhere I, after. Maybe I a scone. Do. I you know, do. you know that's important because Nate, I know, I know you're a bit younger than than me and Colin are at least. And uh, you know, you start hitting that that uh, that mid thirties, and you know, you, mm-hmm. your body just goes. It just totally goes. So Trying you, to take care of it. You got it. It's, it's you my temple, my friend. Core strength. Take care of that core. That's what I'm told. Take care of that. Take core. care of that core and take care of the feet. How many times did you and I both have foot problems? In the studio and be like gimping in to you know just tag team multiple each injuries. Other. It that was, seems odd for people who sit and talk all day to have <laughs> have injuries like right. that, right? Well, multiple it, foot problems. Yeah, it, it's atrophy. It's because we don't actually oh, do anything true. else. Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. yes. you. Yeah. Speaking of not doing anything, I've been playing a lot of Madden recently. <laughs> like the have whole you? regular season, I don't get to touch my Xbox. And as soon as the regular season, as soon as I finish Scott's Week 17 podcast, damn Week 17 championships. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although you is. thank me for that. Um, I mean fired up the Madden and I'm like I'm gonna do my Madden ultimate team I just got a 99 Larry Allen last night wow. yeah dude that costs a lot of coins a lot of, really? lot of coins you actually have to pay for that yeah. I don't know how it works I guess <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of, lot of coins for that um, so, during the regular season tell the listeners who aren't familiar with the Audible which if they're not shame on them well, how, on. Many, how many weekly sessions of the Audible how many total hours invested in just that one aspect uh, of your multifaceted in, career. In editing and everything, like, I, I don't even want to think about it. It's ten shows a week. Uh, and I ten host, a week? I host all but two shows, yeah. So, and most people know me from the Audible. That's the That's whole the thing. crazy everything thing. Everything that I do, people know me from the Audible. So, in this transition, when everyone's like, are you okay? And I appreciate, <laughs> listen, I don't, I don't want to sound like a jerk, but I appreciate everyone's, uh, you know, their concern for us out there. Like, it's awesome. And the fans that have reached out to both of us, Nate, like, it's been incredible, the impact that we had in people's lives and that we will have again someday, possibly quite soon and possibly on the same network again. Um, like, I, I just appreciate it. But, like, yeah, I'm still doing the Audible. It's a top 10 podcast on iTunes, and you can still still hear my nasally drone if you want to. Yeah, and it's strange for us being Denver fans who listen to you in both formats, in both the podcast format and on the actual radio, to, to realize around the nation – that's true not story. where you're known True for. story. This morning, I interviewed with the fan with Armin Williams, a new program director. He told me that when he was saying his goodbyes in New York City, his traffic guy comes up to him and says, whoa, 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 you got to hire Cecil Lammy because he listens to the Audible. And I'm like, I don't know who this guy <laughs> is, but thank you, traffic guy. Like, that's how most people know me. So all the stuff that we did, like, I, and my show being midday, you know, smaller audience, like, people know me mostly from... Football guys, um, kind of as a kind of as a segue. I I have enjoyed your guys' uh, DFS podcast, and I only do DraftKings, so I just listen to the DraftKings one. Okay, but very good. And I and I've used. Um, is it uh, Jeff Pasquino? Is that yes. his name? Yeah. He uh, he had some defense uh, kind of suggestions throughout the year that were that were really good, and uh, I used them. And I and I uh, I didn't win at all. I didn't win anything. But th- that you part didn't of win it, millions. I did. That was that because that's I what I was telling people <laughs> on the radio. <laughs> they were. Going, they were going to win millions, and their life was going to be totally changed, all because of Daily Fantasy. Are you telling me that didn't happen? I, was I lying to the people? You, I, Nate, I don't think you knew. I don't think you knew what you were saying. But <laughs> but this is what I wanted to talk oh, about. I knew what well, I was it really, saying. It really depends on which promo code you enter. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it is. It is true. But I, I, I you know, as, as you know, mountain. Cecil, we all we all love we all love fantasy. You know, got into D, DFS. Um, it's good fun. It's still fun, and that's the thing. If it's fun. 
why not? Who cares if, you know, as long as you're not losing your ass, you know, it's, it's totally fun. It's been an interesting couple of weeks for the industry, though, as it's far as some of the stuff that's So how out. do you guys feel about it? Now, you, you both play. You, you play DFS a little bit, Nate? Yeah. Okay. So how do you guys feel about it as it's gone along and we've learned some things about it? Do you, do you still kind of – I mean, it's obviously the future still, but do you, do you feel a little differently about it that um, – you know, just over the, over what's happened this year, from the huge hype and all the commercials to like scandals and everything like that. How do you feel about it now? That it's all basically an algorithm, and that's what you actually win with. It has nothing to do with football knowledge. Mm. Yeah. Um. Well, anytime in the history of man, anytime there's been a commercial that has told you, uh, quit your job. This is how you're going to become <laughs> a billionaire. This is it's the been, road it's been to it, Easy yeah. Street. Uh, that actually hasn't actually been the case. Yes. I, I don't think ever once in all of history. But, but if if somebody actually thought that they're like, hey, I play in a in my buddy's fantasy, like I can make millions. If anybody actually thought that, then they deserve to lose. They were a idiots, of and that was one of the things that was. Uh, it's funny because the copy that DraftKings always gave me, and you did FanDuel this yeah, past season, right? Yeah, I was season, the FanDuel right? guy. You were right. the DraftKings and, guy. And so I think that the copy that they provided us, and I can even remember doing. And this was probably two years ago, and DFS was in its infancy. And one of our account executives came to me and said, there's this thing, FanDuel, it's daily fantasy sports, do you want to pitch it? I was like, okay, cool. So oftentimes when they do these things, they're like national pitches. And they will go to ESPN radio stations in various markets and try and get a host on and so i had to do a conference call so i was on with probably yeah yeah five or six other hosts or whatever for my conference call that was like noon to one on a tuesday or whatever and you sat there and you listened to the whole pitch and they explained pretty much the way they wanted you to sell it was you're gonna make millions that was how they wanted you to sell it and i remember when the guy was done and they opened it up to questions on the conference call. And Did I you was, ask questions? I was the first one. And my very first question was, yeah, can you please explain to me how this is legal? <laughs> because I, I didn't know. And they were very, like, they were very careful to tell me, do not mention the words gambling. Yeah, do yeah. Not, and it was, it was very strict in that regard. And it was always frustrating to me because the copy that they always gave us was about how you're about to become a millionaire because of DraftKings or FanDuel and... We kind of made it evolve on our show a little bit. We started doing contests. I know Cease did, too. We would do, like, contests every Friday. And so we would do, you know, 50 people can get in, two bucks a pop, winner take all. We'll just do a contest with our show. And we used that to kind of explain, hey, DraftKings is just this fun thing that you can do to play fantasy football. And maybe you win a couple of bucks, but it's two bucks to get in. Just do this fun thing with your buddies rather than don't pay attention to the commercial with the guy in the generic red jersey and Backwards the giant baseball check. hat. Right, because right. that's not actually going to happen right. for and you. Right, and I spent time with a FanDuel executive this last weekend as we had our football guys get together, and I think part of the thing that I stressed to him was, can we please make it about fun? Because DFS yeah. is the best way to play fantasy football. It's fun. You don't yeah. have yeah. to worry about Le'Veon Bell getting hurt. Right. You know what I mean? Or Tom Brady getting suspended, even though he wasn't. Like, it's the best way to play fantasy football. Yeah. Yeah, if you can incorporate that in your season-long leagues and then make the advertising, and which doesn't sell. Yeah. Okay, mil- win millions, that sells. But 
just having fun. I never liked how they sold it. That right. was all that, and that continues that to copy. be my issue today. Yeah. The, 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 the selling point can be it's on a cost per hour of entertainment, very inexpensive right. form of entertainment. And if you play it on the level that John does, I'm a little I'm guilty of maybe playing over my head at times. John's very good about playing the dollar game and the twenty five cent game or whatever the case may be. And th- the in that case, slots. Yeah, I'm yeah. a penny <laughs> slot guy. That's a, yeah, yeah. If you play it on a certain level and you play it with a certain mentality, then on a cost per hour of entertainment basis, it's as inexpensive as anything out there. I, you guys great. are football guys. You guys know, and and Scott's a multiple time champion. Like. You can make a little bit of money every week you by just grinding out the right contest. Yep. I don't want to play against Peter Jennings. God bless him. He's a great yeah. guy, but he's no. got the algorithms. No. He knows he's won $20 million. Like, I want to play against just regular guys. Maybe they're about my level of knowledge, whatever. Dude's like, playing fantasy football. Exactly. That's what you want it to be. And then a couple bucks, yeah. throw it in, win, I, whatever. I, I've gone to like Central City and pumped $40 into a slot machine, and 10 minutes later, I was nothing, right? You made it 10? No, no, no. I didn't make any money. I didn't make any money. And like, yeah, I made it to 10 minutes. Yeah, barely. And and that's not fun. But like I've I've been nursing like, you know, 50 bucks for the last year. Right. You know what I mean? And it's fun because I've got I've got hockey stuff going on right now that I'm checking. I'm like, ooh, and you're checking in. It's cool. It's fun. It's I'm not losing hundreds of dollars and I'm keeping it to a level where I'm like, this is still fun. So if you have if you've if you've sunk your future Powerball winnings in, into into DFS and it's not panning out, that's your fault. But what, it, it's it, way more fun to do that, to uh, put your Powerball money into DFS than it is into, to put Powerball. It into Powerball. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and I'm, uh, I played DFS for the first time this year and I'm, I'm guilty of spending way too much money. All I did was play the, the Millie Maker. It's all I did. That was no, it. No, no. I know. I, I'm just Play saying. The smaller I'm just saying it's all I did. Oh, I was, was selling the hell out of that millionaire maker. <laughs> let me tell you. There it is, right here. Sell, sell Scott on well, it. it. it, it you well, don't it's need fun. To. It's fun for me. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. And, and it was just. There, I, I was a couple times. I'm like. Two two guys away, you know. I'm like, no, ah, no. Winning Jesus. winning is fun. Play triple ups uh, and play at about twenty five bucks ahead. Twenty five to win seventy five. It, it's still fun. And win. regardless, regardless. What ha- what came out really very strongly last week was all based out of an article in the New York Times, and he had an industry insider from Roto Grinders, guy who goes by the name Crazy Gaby, really heavy duty NBA guy, and what what was exposed through that article was. How many people in the big multi-entry millionaire maker type contests are using scripting to automatically enter these contests hundreds and hundreds of times? And what the article also went into was the reliance of those big sites on those particular types of players because they cannot advertise the million-dollar payouts if they don't have a guy pumping $3,000 worth of entries Mm -hmm. into that contest. So – those sites have presumably, according to the article, allowed some of their players, certain echelon of players, to actually crack their software and extract coding that they need in order to make their coding work. <laughs> that's so not that fun. Is obviously, that's not fun anymore. That's, that's not fun. 
Yeah, yeah, that's my scandalous. head hurts just hearing that's you describe crime. That. <laughs> that, that. That just feels like crime but, to me. But, but is it? But is it? Um, I mean, is that the way it's going to go? Is it going to survive this? We still have our, you know, our fantasy leagues with our buddies. But I mean, is this is this where it's going to go, or is it going to evolve into something else? I remember probably two seasons ago, and uh, you and Sigmund Bloom were talking about DFS, and he was kind of like, eh, I don't know, you know, and I kind of felt the same way. I started playing it, totally got hooked on it. It's great. Um, but now I, now I've like kind of signed on for it. Is it going to keep going or is there going to be something else? Or do you think you, you think the, 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 the season long leagues with your buddies are going to go anywhere? I mean, one of the problems that you have now is now the feds are watching this thing. Now it's a congressional issue. Jeb Bush got asked about it Ooh. in one of the debates <laughs> at which point Chris Christie got really upset about it and, wanted to yell about isis some more uh but where he didn't he didn't want to he didn't want to decry <laughs> no, no, no. he was actually just because, ordering food it well because he's out. he's probably he's probably in bed <laughs> with the casinos who don't who want to ban it in new jersey anyway sorry go ahead no it, it, mo- most likely and it, it's anytime something gets political in that regard but now it becomes an issue of grandstanding and 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 now it becomes an issue of i'm gonna be the guy that took down dfs so can it survive i don't know I, I, if you've got, is, if you've got Robert Kraft and if you've got Jerry Jones oh, and if you've got Mark Cuban behind it, it's too big to fail. It's like international banks. <laughs> that, I just know right. how political I'll get. They're too big to fail. I, I don't know about that, Cecil, and I want to believe you're right because it is fun, and if you're a responsible adult, you should be allowed to have that fun. But for that matter, I believe I should be able to log on to the internet and wager the over-under on the Broncos-Steelers game. So Well, you can. You can. You've got to <laughs> yes. go, obviously, offshore to do it. But I think that the loophole that they jumped through to create the industry is a little bit suspect. There's some evidence no doubt about that, that the leagues cr- helped create that loophole in separating fantasy sports from well, poker. And what really scares me is the threat that daily fantasy sports could somehow take down the interfaces we use online for our yearly leagues. Well, and I think that that is Adam Silver and his willingness to – not wrap his arms around gambling, but in the very least to say, look, this is a real thing and it's not going away and it's a huge part of the popularity of our sports and any other commissioner that doesn't acknowledge that is just boldface lying to Absolutely. you. I mean, Adam Silver, in the op-ed that he wrote in the New York Times, that was over a year ago now that he wrote that, but it was like the smartest, most progressive thinking that I have seen out of professional sports. He's the sports. best commissioner in sports. He absolutely is and he's just he has his eyes open to these things and and look, I know he's beholden to the NBA owners, but it doesn't feel like he is. And in the very least, I, and I know the NBA tends to be a little bit more progressive than many of the sports currently are. Uh, I mean, the NFL, archaic as it could possibly be, same with Major League Baseball. But to know that a commissioner is willing to say, okay, this thing is happening. Look how they're handling it in Europe. Look at what they're doing. Look at the EPL and what they're doing with European soccer. And I know they've had their issues, but for the most part, they got it under control. So, I mean, DFS, along with just flat-out betting the point spread, just oh, keep an baby. eye on it, regulate the whole thing. It'll be regulated. Tax the government the will get that. Yeah, they'll tax yeah. the hell out of it, and it will continue. It will not disrupt what we do. It'll change a little bit, yeah. um, but it will not disrupt fantasy as we know it. I just think DFS is going it, to – it's going to be a rocky road for a little bit – for a little while at least because I think a lot of people just don't understand it. I think there's a lot to that. There's always a lot to it. Hey, we got to take a break. 
and uh, but we've we've got a um, we've got a noted Steelers fan in the house, uh, noted Cubs fan too. I don't know what he can offer to the conversation, but <laughs> I, got, I got Ben Zobris <laughs> takes so. if you guys want to get uh, to well, him. We'll, Chris we'll get, Bryant, we'll get to that. But um, we're going to uh, we'll, we'll get into some Broncos talk here. We got we got we got plenty to cover with these guys. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Bowie. It may be a little bit chilly outside, everybody, but that doesn't mean you cannot get outside and grill. And I do it on a regular basis, and when I do, I grill on Mangrate. Mangrate.com. Use the promo code DENVER. We're talking about cast iron grates for your grill. They retain heat better than the stock grates, and they make those sear marks, those gorgeous sear marks that only a Mangrate can make. Visit SouthStandsDenver.com and click on the Mangrate link or go to Mangrate.com and enter the promo code DENVER. You're going to get a special deal on those Mangrates and you're going to support the fan cast. It's the Are an increasing number of doctors prescribing human growth hormone for plantar fasciitis. Will Peyton Manning embrace what will likely be his last chance to screw up the playoffs? Will Manning be on an even shorter leash than Airway, Elway's other trophy wife? In defense of the accusations that he used HGH, why doesn't Manning simply point out that the German fetuses in his neck never grew to be toddlers? <laughs> Knowing that Peyton Manning will be the starter on Sunday, is the Steelers' defense working on their game plan for Tom Brady. Should Kubiak really start Brock Osweiler at right tackle? Can Raiders fans relate to Mark Davis since he can't get a lease either? Is Bill Belichick pleased that Chandler Jones spiced up their playoff preparations? Has the season the Lakers are having helped prepare Los Angeleans for a Stan Kroenke-owned football team? In response to being dead last in the NBA in attendance, have the Denver Nuggets considered signing some NBA players? Does Stan Kroenke regret putting the, the affluenza teen in charge of his NBA franchise? Would it surprise anybody to find out that Vic Lombardi has been rocky all along? Did Altitude Sports retain Julie Brownman because she's literally a workhorse? Before 105.5 ESPN closed its doors for good, 
did Cecil Lammy and Nate Kreckman save up enough cash for a drive-time show at Mile High Sports? You have questions. We have answers. SouthStandsDenver.com, Colorado's finest internet sports talk since 1971. On the eleventh floor, and I'm watching the creases below. I can't tell. Whoa, hearts in the basement. The weekends are all time low. Um, you know, I was thinking. Like he's uh, down I, on the street. Oh, awesome. I was going to say, you know, uh, when you mentioned the, the German fetuses, uh, I was thinking, well, I was thinking of Bowie. And, you know, Bowie spent a lot of time in Berlin and all that. And uh, there's a on the on satellite radio they switched one of the channels to an all Bowie thing this week and um, they were playing like a uh, a, a hero he's doing heroes but it's, in German. Ha- it's half in German yes. yeah yeah yes. and uh, it's it's really good I he's, gotta hear this oh it's really good he starts singing it normally and then he goes into German he's like you know and he starts doing all that and um, it's really good but uh, uh, Bowie was Bowie was fantastic and uh you know shocking we were talking about this earlier it was just kind of like kind of out of the blue but um man what a what a catalog though i mean like all of it is just so fantastic and i i just I, you know people die right but that guy was kind of like oh he's dead now it's very weird to like know that now we're in a world without bowie it is you know it is odd and you know that that song right there was off uh, hunky dory and you know you, you start looking at things and you Try to put some things in place and uh, check this noise out. Hunky Dory was recorded. Uh, we talked about 1972 before it being this great year of rock and roll. Hunky Dory was recorded August 1971. Ziggy Stardust recorded November 1971, like four months yeah. later. And then at the end, August of 72, Bowie and Mick Ronson, who you know he was main collaborator at the time, then went to back to London with Lou Reed and did Transformer with him. I mean, just those three records and, are like top ten and records. Aladdin Sane, Aladdin Sane was recorded right after Ziggy Stardust, and this is my whole thing about Radiohead. Nate, I know you're a Radiohead fan. Yes, or you, you've listened to them. Radiohead, put, and I and I got to remember the records. It was um, uh, Kid A, and then whatever came after that um, was Hail to the Thief right after Kid A. No, there's another album in there. And I can't think of what it is, but anyway, it has the red cover. I know what yeah. you're these albums about. sound exactly the same. They do, and they were like, they were like, oh no, we didn't record them at the same time. We did right. them totally different. And I was like, but they sound the same, and and there's there's no real distinction between them. And I remember Bowie recorded a bunch of those records right at the same time. Totally different sounding records, like like totally like they would just they just stopped and they started up a whole new thing. They did acid for one of them, <laughs> <It's probably laughs> eight okay. balls for the next. That one. was Ween, okay. That's, that's, that's Ween's did, thing. But, uh, well, based on the theme of the show and and our esteemed guests, yes, me and you, Nate, you, you you're uh, the esteemed. We're esteemed. Why, haven't, why haven't we had changes? Like that would have been perfect to kick off because of everything that's changed. Do you have the in German Denver version? Sports Radio? Can, you, can you find the German oh, version? I, can certainly play, so. play some I think they're all German uh, versions. But uh, another song of Funky Dory. No, um, but but you know, real good stuff. And uh, you know, but speaking of the German stuff, like he got kind of into like Nazism. You know about this too? Like he got into no. he got into kind of like Nazi stuff. Was it like the 
like every man when he turns 50 gets really into World War II? Is it like that <laughs> phase of his life? Or is not it like ex- he actually... Not exactly. It wasn't like just memorabilia collection? No, not exactly. I think <laughs> Is that why he later mailed, married a black woman? Because well, he well, felt like, I got to? Well, here's the deal. No, I think I think early on in like the, like the mid-70s, mid to late 70s, because remember when like the Sex Pistols started up, like there's pictures of them wearing full like SS trooper gear it was kind of shocking and i think people in like england were like it by that point world war ii had been over for what 30 some years and it was kind of like it was kind of like this is kind of cool and, so it'd be like kitchen. if pussy riot came out dressed as isis yeah kind of yeah. like that you know so um but then i was thinking they were playing they were playing china girl but the one because he wrote it for iggy pop first iggy pop did it first and then he did it later and so, but there's that, there's that line in there about like stumbling through town, visions of swastikas in my head, plans for everyone. And it's like, wow, David Bowie, man, what's up with that? Well, he so, had the, the Berlin trilogy with, yeah, with Eno. Absolutely. He spent a lot of time there. So, but anyway, so um, just a little, just a little Bowie tribute. Um, Ama- yeah. Amazing man. Amazing. Absolutely. Man. I'll, uh, I will always have the music as they say. So yes. um, did he have a. I, I know there was some stuff in the 90s that was shaky, but did he have, like, a, a really bad, like, a down period of his career? That's the thing with him. He, he I mean, he, not like others have. Right. Like, others have, like, totally, you know. Cough, cough, you too. Cough, cough. Uh, like a, I was going <laughs> to. Or any number. Oh, Michael, Michael bad, Jackson. Yeah. Michael Jackson went through some bad albums. Well, look at, like, Neil Young's been making music since the mid 60s and Neil Young's put out some horrible stuff yeah. that's just total misfire and then he'll come back and put a good album out I think Bowie was not necessarily like that I, I think, think there was one I think the one right after uh, Let's Dance I think that I can't remember the name of it that, that was that was bad is that the but, one with Blue Jean on it that's a great song uh, but, I mean, but, song. but truly like the guy like he was he never went bad and that's amazing no except amazing his duet with Mick Jagger Dancing in the Streets oh, I love that song <laughs> Oh, I'm I do sorry. love no, that song. I, mean, I, mean, I do love that song. No, I'm telling you, it's the clothes they were wearing in the video is what I was talking about, not the song itself. Pretty bad. So, pretty yeah. bad. Like, remember like, when, bad. when Lou Reed made that album with Metallica? Like, oh, oh my God, was that bad. Like, yeah. like he never had one We won't one talk those, about that. Never That's, had one yeah, of those we, don't, we don't talk about that. I actually, I remember seeing that at, at Twist and Shout, and I asked the dude working there. I was like... Should I? He was like, don't, man. Do not. And this is a record store employee. Right. Just leave now. I mean, he was not trying to sell me that item. And I Can I recommend this that. Tiffany album? <laughs> Um, Colin, do you have do you have a little feature for us, maybe? Because I because we're gonna get into the break soon. I don't want to start talking about the Broncos now because we'll we'll have to stop in a few minutes. And I just want to maybe see if you have anything. You I, can I can slip this in right slip, here, John, if you'd you know, like. I mean, normally also I, a, also a great Black Flag album and song. If uh, slip you this know, in from when it, slip it in whenever Henry Rollins dies. So. Cecil's thinking about sliding in. White I was. Uh, I, I, was, was I, yeah. I saw you just. Dreaming of white. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm hopeful that uh, football guys will pick up this segment. Oh, this is a good coming segment. forward yeah. because I'm, I, sure, I'm sure they're going to be clamoring for this. Yeah, after I think you're it's done. I think it's important now, Cecil. As you know, uh, many of our listeners love playing fantasy sports and daily fantasy sports on and on sites like FanDuel and DraftKings, but that their busy lifestyles force them often to choose between keeping tabs on the world around them and setting their lineups. And so we've created this segment, which combines world headlines with fantasy advice, and it's called Headlines to Yardlines. 
That's brilliant. Federal authorities in Sacramento, California, arrested two Palestinian refugees on terror-related charges Thursday after they allegedly provided support materials to ISIS. And fantasy players should plot to use New England's sleepers this week in James White and Julian Edelman. At least five people were killed and ten others injured when a projectile hit a hospital supported by Doctors Without Borders in northern Yemen Sunday. And Carson Palmer will sling projectiles of his own this coming Sunday in his tilt with the Green Bay Packers. Activists have hailed the announcement that Hong Kong will ban the sale of ivory in the city, a major bastion of the trade. Also, the New York Jets can no longer trade Chris Ivory, who will be a free agent this coming season. Germany is loosening its deportation laws in response to reports that a large number of women have been gang-raped by groups of men appearing to be either Arab or North African. And Ben Roethlisberger has demonstrated that even banged up, he can force it into tight holes. A truck bomb ripped through a police training center Thursday in Libya, killing at least 50 people. Also, look for Arizona's David Johnson to truck Green Bay and blow up in the divisional round. U.S. sailors briefly held in Iran before being released on Wednesday reportedly made a navigational error that led them into Iranian waters. And if you go in the wrong direction at tight end in the divisional round, you're likely to get caught shorthanded. Four Israelis, including an Israeli Defense Forces soldier, have been charged in connection with the lynching of a migrant who was mistaken for a terrorist. No word yet if the Seattle Seahawks will terrorize the Panthers on Sunday with a Marshawn lynching of their own. According to the New York Times, women believed to be bearing children over eight pounds are routinely bullied into C-sections by American hospitals. Also, using Peyton Manning in a GPP means hoping he cuts out the interceptions so that he doesn't gut your lineup. That was Headlines to Yardlines, oh. news, our favorite new segment here. Wow. 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 <laughs> fan cast. I, did, I, did, I didn't say it was going to be pretty. I didn't say it was going to be pretty. See, it's important, though. I mean, it's a huge world around us. And we were talking a couple shows ago how you'll hear about this major news item or this tragedy. And still, you've got to set your lineups. And you feel really sheepish about it. It's the, it's the thing where something bad happens and then you're on Twitter and you're like, hmm, should I start talking uh, you know, about my, my bunghole now or... Or, or, or should I should I wait a few hours till this is over? You know, so it's kind of like, uh, yeah, it's, one of those it's best it's, to wait. It's funny wait to, on that always. To, to people that pay attention to the outside world because it'll be during the NBA finals, and I'll be tweeting something about some random undrafted free agent, and people who like. LeBron just dunked, and why are you tweeting about this? I'm like, I don't. Not, not I even. Don't, not and on even. Twitter, baseball people make a special point of that too, and NBA people. There's one guy that covers NBA, uh, Matt something or other, uh, CBS Sports, really good. Um, but he's Matt all, Moore, Matt Moore, yeah. During during football games, oh, I got something like, to say the, about him. In the height segment. of football games, he is tweeting the hell out of NBA. Just, it's almost like, like it'll be like, it'll be like a Charlotte Milwaukee game, <laughs> and he's just crushing the thing. But that's actually that's why he's awesome. And, and and I've talked to Matt about this, and and I'm just like, dude, like, how do you even? Like, you don't have to write a column about that game. Like, how do you have to be watching that? And he's just like, look, man, I got a shot to be a national columnist on a huge site covering the NBA. I'm not going to blow this. 
I'm going I'm to be all in 100% on the NBA. I'm going to watch every last game I possibly that can. Helps if you enjoy and it, that's, you know? which I respect that's how the heck he's out successful. Of him. Totally. And in this industry, the biggest thing that you can have is a work ethic. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Like because people think it's glamorous or wonderful. It's like no, nah, it's a lot of you know standing in a locker room waiting for somebody to come out of the shower, trying to grab quotes, trying to talk to players, trying to talk to sources. Keep like, your eyes up, right? right? About doing the doing box. eleven podcasts a week. Yeah, it's only ten, but still, it's like <laughs> that's part of the grind. So that's why a guy like Matt has been so successful because he doesn't have any problem grinding and he's really damn good. You got to do it, folks. Got it. You got to cover those Milwaukee Bucks um, games, and you know, hopefully Denver Nuggets games. Denver Nuggets. Yeah, I guess the Denver. Although Nuggets. last night, last night was weird. Hold Colin on, wait, was wait, there. Wait, hold on. We're gonna we're gonna take a break, and we're gonna come back. And we're gonna talk about that. Right when we come back, we're gonna talk about that because there's many many facets to this. Mainly, um, mainly Coach Mike Malone thinking the fans are a, are a bunch of ninnies, and uh, we're gonna discuss this when we get back, and then we'll eventually get. We'll get I guess there's a game coming up with the Broncos. We'll we'll get to that pretty soon. So, and uh, our resident Steeler fan will will weigh in on what he thinks about this weekend. So uh, we'll we'll get into that after. Oh, the second the second half begins. After this, running wild and in dead end streets, and every time I thought I got it made, it seemed the taste was not so sweet. So I turned myself to face me, but I've never caught a glimpse of how the others must see the faker. I'm much too fast to take that test. Change it. Turn and face the strange. Change it. I wanna be a richer man. Springtime is right around the corner, which means now is the time to get right on down to Sportique Scooters at 160 South Broadway and save on scooters. We're talking Kimco's, Genuine Scooter Company, The Buddy, The Rough House, 50cc machines. You do not need a motorcycle license. You do not need a license plate. Park for free at a bike rack right downtown. Easiest way to get into and out of the game. Sportique. Where scooters come from. Table because, um, yeah, did it go bad? Well, it didn't there, did but something happened. Uh, we, the last time that we got excited and was pounding on the table, the audio was all jacked up. Oh, I can barely see my, my thing. You got to turn. Am I up wait, wait, or not? Yeah, turn that mic up. I don't yeah, think wait, I'm up. Somebody's not Pot up. Pot him up. Yeah, you're up. No, I'm not. Oh, you sound like a million dollars. I do. You okay. sound like a million dollars. It was, real, it was real low there, but I'm like way up on the mic. So, anyway. Um, you know what? We, we went nuts because of Brock. We were we were we were pounding we the were tables. We were pounding on the table. Doing, we will Brock you. 
and then and then the audio and the went audio bad. went to hell. Bad. So yeah. um, never was, bang the table. Never bang the table. It also wasn't worth it for Brock. I, well, you know, in, in retrospect, <laughs> it was not. But it was uh, fun while it lasted. It, it was. was. It didn't last as long as Tebow, but it that was, was still fun. The very first Monday after Brock's first start, and I remember like going on the radio with Schlereth and just telling everybody like. Remember this. Remember this moment. Like everybody, just that new quarterback smell. It hasn't yeah. been tainted yet. He hasn't thrown an interception yet. It's just, it's all this thing of beauty right now. And now here we are weeks later, and his knees screwed up, and he can't read a defense. And, 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 well, you don't know what he can be. That's the great thing about it. When you talk about when Brock first took over, it's like we know he's tall. We know he's got a big arm, but it's the unknown that's so. In, enticing and he to could you. do all those things that Peyton couldn't do right then. Like he right. could move, he could throw Run. the ball down the field, couldn't read a defense to save his life, still can't. But he was all of a sudden. It was everybody was so sick of watching the immobile, lay it down, interception laden, dying quarterback back there. And then all of a sudden, here's this young guy. But then several weeks later, we learn, oh, he's got flaws too. Well, John wrote a piece for Halloween, a story, a fictional piece where where. Peyton Manning's brain was implanted into Brock Osweiler's body. That's a fantastic it, quarterback. I think ultimately that that's the, what we want. That be yes. a great quarterback. That would be still too tall. Body, his brain. <laughs> I mean, he just he just dominate, man. It would be awesome. Tebow's pectoral muscles would be Ooh, a nice addition. That would be nice. Um, Brock, very handsome fella, and that, that I think was part of the excitement <laughs> for a Broncos country is the idea of having. Uh, I mean, I think a personally, forehead. I think he rivals Tom Brady. Well, he's in that no Jimmy area. Garoppolo, but here's the problem: no when he Jimmy came out of Arizona State, some of the knocks on him from people that didn't watch him uh, would be like, "Oh, he chases girls too much." I'm like, "It's Arizona State. The most beautiful women on the planet are at Arizona oh, State." That like, was a who? That was a who, knock. Who knocked him for that? That was a knock. There well, were. I don't think Brock Osweiler ever had to chase women anywhere. He probably <laughs> just sit down in the middle of campus and they. <laughs> Didn't yeah, they kind of jump all over him, him, right? Didn't yeah, every so. other college football player chase girls? How was that a knock against well, him? Well, wasn't Nick Casa asked if he had a girlfriend? Remember that? He at the was combine? asked you guys, if he had a girlfriend. Yes, you and CJ. Yes, we did. And it was it wasn't like it was a breaking story. I just asked him, "Hey, were there any weird questions that you got?" Because historically, you always hear in these combine interviews, these guys will get some crazy. Would questions. you rather be a dog or a cat? Well, it was coming off the the heels of the the Jeff Ireland Des Bryant thing. Yes. And so it, is it, your mom a prostitute? Exactly, which seems like it's stepping over the line. So we asked Nick Cossage, just CU kid. He was what a sixth round pick, yeah, tight end out of CU. He was drafted by Oakland. Yes, but he he said then in one of his combine interviews he was asked, uh, "Do you have a girlfriend?" To which he said no. And the follow up question was, "Well, do you like girls?" Oh, right, wow. mm-hmm. about right. This, yeah. And then that all of a sudden became it became this big national story of. Nick Casa was asked if he liked girls in the combine, and isn't this stepping over the line trying to figure out if a player? It was on Deadspin. I was on Pro Football Talk. It was everywhere. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Became so, a big deal. They should have already known. I'm about ready to go to the Senior Bowl in two weeks as I wear my Senior Bowl shirt. Uh, as soon as I get off the plane, I'll have a list of these are the players that are homosexual. I've told the Michael Sam story before a ton of times. Like I got off the plane in Mobile, Alabama, knew the story. He was telling. Improper jokes. Almost said another thing. Dick Cheney jokes. How about that? I'll clean it up for radio. Well done. Oh, yeah. He was telling Dick Cheney jokes at media night in front of everybody. Like 
everybody at that game knew, mm-hmm. and that's why he came out. Uh, years ago, there were two players there. Oh, that's your look alarm. Out. Uh-oh. Got a sale. Hold on. Got a sale downstairs, <laughs> everybody. There, there were two players. my parking meter. Oh, geez. Don't worry. I fixed it. Good thing you got the alarm on it. Yes. There were two players at the Senior Bowl that were thought to be homosexual. One was a second-round pick and now a multiple-time Super Bowl champion. One was undrafted. What's the difference? One could play, one couldn't. NFL scouts know and don't care. Don't care. Mm-hmm. Now, the question was interesting and odd and a question that I'm sure a what lot te- of players have been asked. Do we know what asked. team asked him that? Or do you no. say no? So, so obviously there's a team though, or or teams that are concerned with that that they they don't or want that don't that. have the intel that other teams do, which would lead me to go with Cincinnati because their scouting department doesn't exactly put in a lot of work. Vontae's perfect. I remember talking with a Bengal scout at the Senior Bowl the year that Burfitt came out. I was promoting him for the Denver Broncos. Like this is a good like he's a terrible guy off the field, but he's a hell of a linebacker, and he was undrafted. And he's turned in. You know, Broncos MVP this year is Vontae's perfect. Uh, as we'll get into that transition later. And I'm talking to the Bengals scout, he's like, we don't care. I was like, he's the worst guy ever. We don't care. Can he play? Can he but play? But if he was it's gay, they'd probably be like, hold up, no, no, no. hold and, up, hold and, up. And, and in fact, in the NFL, and one of my best friends is Russ Landy. I'm going to stay with him on Monday at the Shrine game. Uh, college scouting director of the Alouettes, where Michael Sam was, where he couldn't make it. Why? Because he's not good at football. At the end sure. of the day, in the, and there are homosexuality in the NFL is is – just like society it's probably you know 10 15 percent of players in the nfl you're never going to hear about them and if you can't play that's the bottom line can you play Absolutely. and if you can but, you'll but be in the nfl Cecil, if they're gay let's say they're they're a, they're a can't miss they're they're going to be a great player mm-hmm. but they're gay are they like hey buddy you got to keep this gay thing under wraps. Are they? Are they like most players will automatically do that and do it the michael sam thing doesn't help in players who think would think about coming out um because of the way things went down for him but it's not i got into this debate a lot like oh he's in, you know they waited to draft him because he was gay nope he wasn't good michael sam wasn't in good, fact I, well, the way i understand it is actually being the gay dude in the draft may have encouraged him to be drafted it may have contributed to his having been I, I think he went about where he should have gone i had him graded as a six-round pick he went in the seventh so i had a sense personally and i'm obviously nowhere near the draft nick that you are not even approaching it but i had a sense that there was pressure from the league office to make sure that he get drafted somewhere i would say that's probably not inaccurate that's the way I'll answer. It that. would be yeah, kind of a, a hey politician man, way to say that. Draft this kid, and you know you may get a shot at L.A. <laughs> Could be. You know, you don't know. You don't know. The San Antonio Raiders. Are we ready for that? Are we no. ready for the no, San Antonio ready. Raiders? We're not ready for that. Yeah, at all. San Antonio is. Um, no, I mean, let me ask you a bit, as an NFL insider, just real quick on that tangent. What what kind of now that. Stan Kroenke has this massive amount of power in L.A. Do you see anybody else being able to work out a business relationship with him? In what perspective? As far as the Chargers or somebody else moving in and sharing that stadium. Or now that he has the upper hand, will the Rams be the only team there? I'll answer the question with a question. The language of the NFL is cash money. Who's going to pony up the money? That's the bottom line. San Diego is going to be in L.A. Yeah, they're going to be. They'll in LA. share the stadium. They'll yeah. be in L.A. Yeah, that's and, and it depends on what they want to do, and they've got to figure that out. And Dean Spanos has to decide: Do I want equity in the stadium, or do I want to pay one dollar a year in rent? 
and, and just be in Los Angeles. But the situation in San Diego is so toxic mm-hmm. between the city council and that organization. They're never going to get a stadium. The Chargers are going to L.A. Well, and, and why not have two teams? Because when one team's on the road, the other one's playing there. You've got football constantly going on in that, in that stadium, right? So you've got a football game probably. You're printing money with that every, place. Every week. Yeah. And, and now whether, you know, whether what L.A. fans decide to show up for who, but people are going to show up because I don't want to get on a side tangent because we've got a lot of other stuff to discuss. But if I'm the Clippers, I move to the Forum. I moved to the forum because it's right there next to that new stadium. You just make it like your spot. You go back to the forum. You're the Clippers. Make it happen. And from what I understand, this is not just a stadium. This is a this is an entire campus. They're 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 calling it a Super Bowl campus as though the entire proceedings, hotel rooms, restaurants, everything else necessary NFL to host the Super Bowl is there, and, including the NFL Network. And uh, and if you remember that Simpsons where Mr. Burns had the casino and the big statue of buff <laughs> statue, that's going to be there's going to be a Stan Kroenke one outside, and he's going to be buff with a loincloth. And that'll be a big bronze, massive statue of him. He brought up Mark Davis earlier. I read that yeah. Mark Davis is worth $1.5 billion. And I guess a good haircut is worth $1.5 and $1 <laughs> billion. Did you read the ESPN, the magazine piece about Mark Davis? Tim Kewen wrote it. I, I mean, I would say. About his flip phone? I would recommend, yes. It was yes. about the flip phone and the minivan. But that was the shocking. There was a lot of shocking things that came out of the article. It's fascinating. I recommend everybody go read it. Just you can find how it. Many, on, how many issues ago was this? It Is was it the current. I read it on ESPN.com. It was probably it, it came out uh, September. I want to say, but the thing that was fascinating, the revelation in it was was that the haircut is the one thing he spends money on. <laughs> that the haircut, he actually, he flies to Southern California, and there's one guy that he goes to. Wow. Like, he doesn't spend money on anything. Like, he eats every meal at P.F. Chang's, or he goes to all-you-can-eat buffets with the players. He's He just hangs out with the players. He drives a minivan. A he has phone, a flip not phone. Not a smartphone. Yeah, absolutely. He it is, wasn't Mike Kliss's old flip he's, phone, was it? He's it budget was. It's, on it's everything. It's actually Mike Kliss's phone. He <laughs> bought it from for, for a so, so this guy has the bowl. Yeah. The only bowl that he will put on his head yeah. to cut around. The most yeah. notable thing about him is the haircut, and that's what he spends money on. Wow. And the article talks Diabolical. about everybody in his life tells him, lose the haircut, dude. You have to change the haircut. No, works, why works, for, works for Trump. I'd be like, I'm rich. Yeah. Who cares? Cut my hair. Make make me look like daddy. A, daddy a was known for the black leather jacket. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I'm going to be known for no, the, the gi. Remember, he would wear the gi, right? The horn rim glasses. Said, the gi. So, um, hey, let's talk about real quick, and then we'll take a break. And we got a couple things to get to. We got to make sure we want to talk to these guys about the radio business. We want to make sure we get to talk about that here in the fourth quarter. We'll start with that, um, and then of course we got to get to the Broncos, and we got to we got to um, have Cecil tell us how how um, Ben Roethlisberger's his his gamemanship about his, oh, I'm so hurt. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm suspect about that. I don't think he's as hurt as he is. But um, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. What I wanted to bring up before we go to break 
is this whole thing about the Nuggets and Mike Malone saying Nuggets fans are are total wusses and they don't they don't make any noise. Is that an exact quote? That's I, an exact I, I quote. Think it was an exact quote. Right out of <laughs> listen, listen. Chris Dempsey's here's article. What, here's what everybody post. said. You guys, you guys are familiar with the work of uh, one Raj Sharon? You've heard of him? Yes. You've heard of that guy? Yeah, Raj. He kind of like, likes the NBA. Raj was like, "Hey, man, he's not telling. He's not. He's not. He's not lying." I said, Abs- He's not lying, Raj. He's 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 right. There's no fans there because they're awful. But that's my point: is that the team is terrible. So why do people want to go and spend their money to go and watch a terrible team? It's now, chicken and the egg. That's gr- what it is. Gr- granted, they won. Granted, they won. It was fantastic last night. It was great. But they did not. They 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 usually don't. It's it's sparse crowds because people want to see a winner. I totally get that. It's on the coach. It's on the team to get people back. Now he backtracked and he said, "Oh well, it's on us. You know, we're this is our record. We got it. We got to You know, we got to do better." But my, I guess what what really got me was then all of the sniveling cowards who were there listening to him. They didn't call him out. They didn't say, "Hey, coach." What what's going on here? Why are you blaming the fans when your team is so crappy? But the quote itself was actually pretty innocuous. The quote itself was about you're about to start this eight game homestand. Don't you think the team's about to go on a roll? And so at first he started talking about, well, A, we haven't been very good at home. B, he started talking about the teams are going to be playing on this homestand. You saw Golden State in last night. They have some tough opponents on this homestand. And then the last thing he talked about was, we don't have much of a home court advantage. And he said, we can't depend on the fans for that. Exactly. Which, which right there. Because, right. Wait, wait. Because fans don't go. Again, again, he's right. He's, yeah, he's, he's not wrong. He's so not what's wrong, your issue but then? then? He, but then he said, we can't depend on the fans for that. That to, that to me makes the people who I are, think you're putting who, a little extra inflection, a little extra a hole go, on there. The people who go and pay their money and cheer the team on, who love the team, that is a that is an f u to them. That is an f u to the people who go and support the team. And and it took a while for him to finally backtrack and go, well, hey, yeah, it's on us, guys. It's on us. We got to, you know. But I think he. A coach thinks about that. The one a coach shouldn't be commenting on that. It's his. It's his job to coach the team. It's not. It's not his job. But he was asked a question co- about home court advantage. Was he specifically? He answered asked the about question. It? He answered and honestly, I think your issue is that nobody called him out on it. It's a thing called yes. PR. Everyone has to play the access game. You know what I mean? When people call Absolutely. me a Broncos homer, even though I'm a lifelong Steelers fan, it's like I'm respectful when I talk about the Broncos because then I'm not. I'm not losing my access to them. I don't you, even listen, know. Wait, wait, would you guys? But would in the you case guys, of Malone, I don't even think that's what it is. Because the comment itself was was to me it was totally innocuous, and I think that, it wasn't to me Nick. that that if you're the media and you're there, and if you're Chris Dempsey or Nate Timmons or whoever the the media that are there with the Nuggets on a daily basis and are at every single game, I think if Mike Malone says that, I think you kind of shake your head and go, well, I'm at every single game and place, it's a ghost town. Place is half full and it's quiet and, yeah. and there's no noise in the arena. Pretty much right, and and it's pretty much right. And but the whole, they the the guys that cover the games see that as a they go oh there's no crowds here they're not lively mm-hmm. they see that as a detriment to what they have to cover because it's a bummer to be there so they're gonna be like yeah you're right I just think that I that's, think it's just acknowledging the reality of the situation yeah, it, but but the, here's the thing if if Gary Kubiak or somebody came out and said you know we. It, 
it's a really it's a real bummer. The fans are the fans are uh, POSs. Um, I I'm, I'm not I'm not really happy with them. People would riot. They'd but be you, so but upset. But you can't say that about Broncos fans because there's seventy six thousand of them there, sure. and there's a thirty year waiting list or whatever it is have, for season have, tickets. Have the Avalanche have the Avalanche turned on the fans and said, you know. You know, a lot of Blackhawks fans here tonight. You know, it's really, it's really, it's really too bad the fans are awful. I they ha- don't say that. They I have, have I that. have heard it acknowledged, but to that point, I don't think Malone turned on the fans when when I listened to that comment. And again, I'm not a Nuggets fan per se. I'm not a member of the ticket buying public or anything like that. But when I heard what he said. I just agreed with it and said, well, that's your reality and you're acknowledging it right now because people aren't showing up to the games. I mean, the Nuggets don't get a huge boost from their home crowd. And Jeff Morton wrote a a great piece about it on Denver Stiffs this week, actually. And, And Morton, he did a very good job of pointing out that, as is the case with so many things in sports and in life, it isn't just one issue as to what leads to the problem. So the fact that the Nuggets have low attendance or that there's low energy in the building, there's a lot of issues that go along with it. There is the team's not particularly good. There's no notable stars. Ticket prices are high. He also pointed out quite astutely, I thought, the Pepsi Center itself is such a giant cavernous building. And when it's full like when the Nuggets are in the playoffs, like it was a couple of years ago, the 57-win season, every night. I mean, that place can rock. Oh, yeah. The Pepsi Center can be – and, Colin, you were there last night. It was rocking last night, wasn't it? Mort- oh, it was hey, hold on. Morton is a, is a Nuggets homer. And, uh, he is. So, so, and he's, he's totally upset because he sits there every night and sees there's no crowd. So he's upset. So he's going to, of course, agree with the coach who's, like, calling out the but well, he pointed, Malone. But he pointed out the, the numerous reasons. But getting to the part about the building being really big, if there's only 11,000, 12,000 people in that place, it feels Empty it feels desolate, like there. a ghost yeah. town. And, 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 and One thing refreshing about Malone, having been around him more than a few times, like he's very honest, almost in a in a less uh, curmudgeonly way of Josh Josh McDaniels, who's probably going to coach the Titans next. Um, he was incredibly forthcoming with information, like telling you about game plans and stuff. Malone doesn't necessarily do that, but he's super honest. It's really refreshing because it's not the normal coach speak. Well, one game at a time, we're facing a really good team, and blah blah blah. No, Malone, all he said was a keen awareness of his surroundings. Yeah, I, I just I didn't hear the part of it of the fans stink or the fans. He's just mad because Matt Moore's skates. a Chiefs fan. That's all. That's the only reason you're mad. <laughs> yeah, I just because exactly. Matt Moore was there, he didn't call him out. I I didn't hear any part of that in his comments. I just I thought it was him kind of ticking off the reasons why. Nobody should be that pumped about an eight-game homestand because there's numerous issues as to why an eight-game homestand isn't a massive advantage for this team right now. Matt Moore said the other day that, uh, and because the only reason I know this, why do you Jeff, wag your finger every time you say Matt Moore? <laughs> it's like scolding him. He's upsetting me, um, uh, Jeff, because Jeff Morton retweeted him. That's the only reason I saw this, and he was making the point like. Oh, you know the Broncos can can be horrible, and the fans will be like right there to lift them up. And any other team, you got to be better. Yes, exactly. Be better. You're the Broncos have earned it. Everybody else, yeah. they, hey, you got to you've got to win. Here's something about the Broncos: Are the Broncos fans the only fans that boo the team? Because they get booed on a regular basis. 
No one cares enough about the Rockies to boo them. I think I've heard, they, I, I heard Rockies fans boo a few times yeah, last the, year. The, the Avs have gotten booed quite a bit. So, and, that's, but, uh, and that seems recent. It didn't listen, seem like it used to happen. If you're, if you're a happen. diehard Chiefs fan and you get anything to, to, just, to just to wedge in on, on the Broncos, then you're going to take it. I Here, totally get that. I totally get a it. A bigger topic question, though, on the booing of the team. And, and you talk about that being kind of a, a, a modern development at Broncos games, which – and I've been going to Broncos games for 11 years now – and and I've def- I definitely heard it back in the Jake Plummer days, and but isn't that just symptomatic of the sports fan in 2016? Yes. Of just aren't we all just a bunch of entitled babies? Yeah, as sports sure. fans? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Checking yeah. our yeah. DFS apps. Just, just yeah. so oh, yeah. angry. Why isn't there any Wi-Fi here in the stadium? Thirty-one like- teams don't win the Super Bowl yeah. every year. Like sports is the biggest letdown that you can be a fan of, that, that you can Absolutely. follow, that you can have in your life, that you can be enthusiastic about it. And yet, because losing is inevitable, but when it happens, we're outraged by it. I, I do think football fans are more likely to let the team know it in that certain way at the end of a quarter. Mm-hmm. But I think when you look at the difference between the four major teams in town is the hardcore group of fans that are going to show up no matter what. Broncos, absolutely number one. But they're not immune. There were empty seats in the Josh McDaniels era. Absolutely. Were That's why seats. I got fired. They are not immune. And ownership sees the empty seats. and They go, oh, crap, that's parking, that's concessions, that's everything else. That's millions of dollars. They're going to make changes. But the hardcore fans are going to be there. Is that they- really the case, though? Oh yeah. Is that do you think that Josh McDaniels was fired because of empty seats? Yes, because well well because people were said we've had enough and people were not showing up and See, people I were th- saying we're not going to be there. I think there's an echelon of season ticket holders. A guy like Ralph Klomp, for example. I mean guys at the very at the rich dudes who've owned their t- seats forever who've got a direct channel to ownership or to management that they do listen to. But there's Again, like I said before, though, there's what is it a 30 year wait right now for season tickets for the Broncos? Yeah, yeah, something like that. And and I mean, I mean, we talk about parking and concessions and and that stuff's all nice. But what did every NFL team pull down on the TV deal last year? Two hundred seventy million. Yeah. I I mean, the parking, the concessions like they didn't feel that they They were fine. I, I really do think that Josh McDaniels was fired, not because fans didn't show up. And I do think that. The Broncos and a part of their marketing machine in Broncos country and all that, they told people, well, because you didn't show up, you spoke to us, and that told us we had to get rid of this guy. I think Pat Bolin and Joe Ellis and, and the people that run that organization, I think they just like to win. And I don't think they like to they're be embarrassed. They're addicted to winning, and I'm so yeah. glad I that you called it Broncos country, Nate. I'm yeah. so but, glad but that you a, came around It's a that. part of the marketing campaign, and I think mm-hmm. that, that there is this sense that the fan base in this city is oh so powerful that they can influence the firing of a coach, and I don't think that's the case well, at all. I think, oh, absolutely, because I think there is an ownership group that likes winning football games, and they were embarrassed by the Spygate thing, and they said, you know what? This guy stinks. We're getting rid of him. And, and was, we're doing it, it the Broncos the way. It was they were like, we're gonna, this is going to get worse. There is no other team in Denver, and there's a handful in the NFL – it's symbiotic. The relationship between Broncos country and that team is symbiotic. Like it's almost like, an, em- it. like it's an empath. They feel it. it. They feel it. No, the I ownership feels what the fans feel. And I, I also think the Put same thing. Terms he can understand. This is a Cubs and Cubs fan <laughs> thing. It's the same thing. No, I think the same thing Guess holds what? true with the Avalanche to a greater degree than it does with the Nuggets. And that is the point I was getting to. Is that hardcore? The center 
of the fan base. Largest with the Broncos, second largest with the Avalanche, third largest with the Nuggets, and almost non-existent with the Rockies. Could be. I think the Rockies have a pretty pretty big fan base, but oh, but we got to take a break, and we got to get we got to get into the fourth, and we're gonna, we're going to definitely go over time because we have to. It's imperative that we get Broncos country I, more like Broncos customers. <laughs> <laughs> it, the only thing is, is that when when Manning took over the game, the last game, and he was telling people, "Oh yeah, you guys were booing me the other week," you know, that is something where I think he's directly involved in it, and I think he he has the right to point that out and go, "Hey, you guys were booing me, now you're." Cheering but Michael me. Malone doesn't have a right to point out no. what you were all upset no, about because he's the coach. You should you shouldn't hear. He from was the right. Coach. He should you shouldn't hear from the coach. <laughs> if if um Fareed should have said if, it. If Kenneth Fareed wanted to say it, then that'd be okay. But it's just when the he coach doesn't is even there, notice. the coach the coach should not have a the coach shouldn't even shouldn't even have a say in it. That's my issue. I'm sorry, I, I feel that way, but um, I just I don't I don't like it. I don't like it at all, guys. So we gotta go. We gotta get to it. Okay. Well, we'll we'll try. We'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it now. I'm done. I'm done talking about it. We're done, and we're gonna get into the fourth. We'll talk Broncos. We're gonna talk radio. Right after this. Shirt Shop is the friend of the fans and the friend of the fan cast. One of our original sponsors, in fact. And James Hernandez of 5280 Shirt Shop is also the organizer of the Friends of Mile High. Check them out on Twitter. Join their tailgate party at the upcoming Broncos-Steelers game. Friends of Mile High, 5280 Shirt Shop, friend of the fans, friend of the fan cast. Headphones issues. Set up. We're doing things. You get what you pay for, right? Yeah, we need a new board here. I didn't know Bowie covered Nirvana. Yeah, he did. Yeah, definitely. Odd choice. Don't you hate when millennials are like, "What is this song?" Like when uh, was it? Uh, it wasn't Nine Inch Nails. Marilyn Manson. Millennials. Mar- Marilyn Manson <laughs> did uh, "Sweet Dreams." Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. some dude I used to work with was like. Oh, he heard the Eurythmics version. And he's like, oh, they redid Marilyn Manson. I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 we no, had we somebody. <laughs> God, I can't remember who it was. We had somebody on the podcast when I play. I played Stevie Wonder. And he goes, uh, did Stevie Wonder cover the Red Hot Chili Peppers? <laughs> no. Oh, my God. Like, no. Oh, no. Oh, wow. my God. But see, that's how progressive Bowie was. He went back in time 20 years to cover Nirvana. He was it's a space an, alien. Amazing. Here's how, how do you progressive amazing. Bowie was. Pop culture today is all David Bowie. Oh, like absolutely. All his, his fingerprints, just like I said when Michael Jackson died, like dancing, videos, music, all that will never be the same after MJ because he influenced so much. Bowie influenced 
a ton of what we do today. Well, in and, pop that's, and that's what I told my son. I have a 14 year old son, and I know, you know you've got a teenage boy as well. I I I, 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 I said, look, kid. I understand if you don't relate to these specific songs, but you are listening to bands now who absolutely know this music by just, heart. are just ripping it off in their own way. They're just taking it. They just took it and made it their own. My, my so. children's experience was way different. I told my 10 and 12 year old that Bowie died and they both cried and hugged me. You're a wow. much better father than I am. <laughs> father of the year, ladies wow. and gentlemen. That's awesome. I mean, they, they, but they love Bowie. Raising it's them just, right. I'm trying, doing what I can. Um, so, so we can make sure we uh, we can cram it all in, <laughs> um, which we like to do. We like to do that. So let's let's talk about you guys for a second. Um, Us? En- enough about oh, no. me. Enough about me. Um, we want. We were talking a little bit about about your radio experience, and you know the kind of what um, what transpired, and kind of what's you know what your what the future holds. But um, talk a little bit about uh, the. Kind of what what went down with with your radio station? How did you find out that 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 you were not going to have a job anymore? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Uh, Should we tell this story? Uh, I guess we can. I'll tell the PC version, and Nate, you can jump in with me if you want. Is there a PC version to it? I think it's <laughs> just I, the version. I, I think it's just the version, and I'm not gonna you know be mean about it or whatever. We were gathered. At a restaurant, Sam's number Sam's three, number three, love it. Yeah, and we were publicly executed. We wow. were publicly told. And even I thought, and I was telling Raj and, and Rob, like before the meeting, I was like, "He's not going to do that in public. We're not going to kill the station." I didn't think so either. I thought we would maybe lose the ESPN contract or something like that, and then we'd go more local programming or whatever. But you know, we're we're, we're running a tight ship, and we're going to be fast and loose, and we're going to move and. Nope, we were publicly executed. And even the waitresses were just like so apologetic, like, we're sorry you lost your job, like December 6th so like, or whatever pl- the day over was. Over a plate of eggs, and you're like... Uh, we had we had ordered, but the food hadn't come food yet. Food wasn't there oh yet. Oh, my God. Yeah. You didn't oh, even get to eat first. We were... Yes, yeah, so we got an email on a Wednesday. Yeah, everyone needs to be on Friday, right? At it's, Sam's number three for breakfast on company Friday. Company meeting. And this, you know, it's early December. We were thinking... Because when, it's, it's either that or or uh, or the all PTs all new, <laughs> pretty much as far as locations. Go. Well, we actually it would have been uh, what's the place Centerfolds right next door yeah. to the studio. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been more street, appropriate. Yeah. yeah, but no, it it was we got the email on a Wednesday, and I remember like being on remote that Wednesday afternoon and joking around with everybody of like, well, this is it, and all of us kind of being like what Cecil talked about right there of like, no, he's not going to do it. At breakfast at Sam's number <laughs> in three. In public. In public. Nah, it's not going to happen. And sure enough, we ordered. And then, <laughs> guys, I got to I gotta talk to you. Yeah. And, and next thing you know, there, there it all went down. So, And it was something that had been going around. I mean, I remember at training camp, Scott Hastings on the air on the fan when I was sitting in the tent next to him. He's like, ah, we're going to be taking over anyway. Like, it, you know, it had been talked about. But here's the thing. We when knew I look the back rumors. On, we knew the rumors. We knew that our ESPN contract went to the end of 2016. So I had felt foolishly comfortable until the end of 2016. Um, but we, people had doubted us from day one. Like I, and, and what I said, Nate had excused himself for breakfast uh, <laughs> and did not partake in the meal with us. 
But what I told Wait, everybody, you weren't there at all. No, no, no. No, he, I was there. He he left. Yeah, you just he wasn't off. hungry. He, for some he got reason. up and left. I, um, I did excuse myself. Yes. What, what I told everybody there, Nate, and I'll share it with you now. It's like I think we should be proud of what we did for five years. People said you guys aren't going to last six months. We did. We went through a lot of incarnations. We went through a lot of talent. Yeah. We went through a lot of good people. We went through shows that should have never been killed. Uh, uh, one of my favorite sports memories. And, and Nate, you know that I I admire you greatly. Like you and CJ were perfect on the air. You guys had a perfect show. Um, oh, I thought he and I thought and Nalen had him the and perfect Nalen show. were yeah. perfect as well. That was so a, that was we, a great. We had show. glimpses, like we had areas where we were absolutely brilliant, and we were different, and we were independent. Like one thing, wherever we end up, um, to have the freedom for myself personally, Nate, I'll say this. To have the freedom to do a football show year-round, I, I loved it. It's something I'll probably never enjoy again wherever my radio career goes because people are like, well, it is opening day for the Rockies. I'm like, yeah, but they got the free agent, the undrafted <laughs> yeah. guy. Yeah. You know, like that's how my – that's my job. Football is my livelihood. And to have that freedom to be able to do that, we basically ran – our own shows for the most part we got to do what we wanted to do we got to do the bits that we wanted to do don't be that guy friday or wtf wednesdays like we we got to do what we wanted to do and that was really fun and i'm proud of the five years that we had at front range sports network i wish it you know would have ended differently but it's something i can look back on and i nobody leaves a fan except me I'm in in the history of the fan. Like, there's been one guy that's left, and that's me. Brandon Cristal, Reno Notaro. There's a few. Uh, anyway, we'll leave that alone. But <laughs> what what the reason I left is because I could have gone. I went from a Sunday only guy, basically. I had the fan football show from 2007 to 2010, plus doing Fridays with Scott. Now, um, the reason I left is because I had an opportunity to be more, to be an NFL insider, to be more on air and to turn that into a talk show host monday through friday and to have that affiliation with the four to have hour. that affiliation with espn but that wasn't happening at that time no I mean, no you were 2010 leaving, you were leaving to go to 1023 the ticket 87 7 well ticket, they turned into 87 7 the ticket we thought we were going to 1023 the ticket it right. went to 87 7 the right. ticket which i i mean ultimately you know when i think back of the legacy of what that station was that to me is the biggest issue is it was just it was a radio station that was always going up against this behemoth that was going up against the fan that had a cranking signal which you cannot overstate the importance of signal yes in radio it, it is just so important and they had a 15-year head start on us they had heritage they just had guys you know like colin talked about guys that just they got in the car and they flipped on the fan and that was what we were always going up against. And one of the issues that the station had was, I mean, you guys think about it, and you guys, Colin and John and Scott, I mean, you guys are hardcore sports radio listeners. You guys listened to that station in how many different forms and iterations through the years. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was 87.7 the ticket, then it was 102.3 the ticket, then it was 102.3 ESPN, then it was 102.3 and 105.5 ESPN, then it was just 105.5 ESPN, and then we got breakfast. And so, <laughs> and then breakfast. Is that happened. a new hashtag? We got breakfast. <laughs> and then we got breakfast. We, 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 we got talked breakfast. about this a little bit before. What, what, what could be done differently in a situation like that? Like, you guys had an idea of like what's going to work, and then it kind of the rug gets pulled out from under you. What what can be done differently in this type of situation? 
Consistency is just so key. Consistency sure. and better direction from programming. I think we were put behind the eight ball in many instances. And like I said, there were flashes of brilliance. Yeah. I mean, flashes of must-listen radio. And I'm a big sports talk radio fan. I always have been. And the fact that I would regularly tune into this guy with whatever incarnation that you had, although three man boosts never really work. It was um, it, it was a bumpy six yes, months, but yeah, yeah. It, it was you know it was a station in which it's you know morning drive is built built around Vic and Gary, and afternoon drive is built around Les, and then afternoon drive is built around CJ, and morning drive is built around Mike and Mike, and then afternoon drive is built around Nalen, and then afternoon drive is built around me, and it just like it, it was. If you're a listener, you want to you you want to know what to expect. And one of the other challenges that you run into, and it was uh, one of the most unfortunate things about this station was was that you know you you use the term getting the rug pulled out from under you. Sports talk radio shows are hard. They're not easy to do in the sense and of... And to your credit, and I want to interject this, you're known as one of the most prepared hosts in town. They, exactly. And... In order for a show to be good, it takes time. I mean, you know, Alan Demack didn't happen overnight. Irvin Joe didn't happen overnight. It's you know, a rhythm. Logan they, and Hastings. They happened over a century. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Logan and Hastings didn't happen overnight. It, it takes time. And you think of the great sports talk shows in the history of this city. You know, they take time to be able to develop. And, you know, CJ and I, it didn't click immediately. But... After, you brought the best out of CJ, though. Right, but you after, the best after time, it did. You know, it was, you know, Tommy and Gary and me in the afternoon, and it didn't click right away. And then eventually it was just me and Tommy, and it didn't click right away. But then it does, and then it starts to get, get good, and then it's, well, now the show's over. Sayonara. And now you're going solo, kid, well, for it, four the, hours every single afternoon. One of the biggest things that I miss at this time I miss the audience, and I I feel bad for the audience that we had built up. We had, as much as our signal would allow, made a, as much of a dent as we could. We had listeners. I, we had listeners, and not just regular listeners or diehard fantasy fans or whatever. Like we had built something, friends. we had established you something. You have friends. There is something to that. I mean, there is kind of an intimate relationship that people have with their radio, with their radio show of you're in your car alone and it's yet a rough day or whatever, but you know, you know, this dude is going to, or these dudes are going to cheer me up. And it becomes that thing that you kind of start to expect. And, you know, it, it's funny because doing it for a living, and see, so you can probably add to this you know sometimes you forget about that sometimes you're just thinking well i want to come up with content and you get so kind of bogged down in the mechanics of sports talk radio and making sure you have material that you don't think about the fact of you know, there's just people that just like the show and i remember there was like three months probably three months before we before it all went away and i remember getting an email from a guy who was a regular listener a, a regular texter and a guy he had come out to a few remotes and he was a good dude and he just he wrote me this email and it was really powerful. It was about how, you know, he had kind of discovered me five years earlier. And when he discovered me, he was going through a, a divorce and he was in addiction counseling and he was really this tough time in his life. But it was, you know, flipping on my radio show. It was like 
his couple of hours a day to forget about it and have a couple of laughs and think about sports. And it was, you know, and now all these years later, his life is in this place and he's happy and doing constructive things with himself, but, you know, still listening. And he kind of just made this point to me of, you know, I know you just think you're showing up and trying to come up with this good stuff and do your radio show every day, but it's actually more than that. And you don't always remember that part of it mm-hmm. that Cecil just kind of talked about right there. Well, we, Colin and I, you and I know we're changing lives. We've been changing lives <laughs> since '09. So I mean, we, but no, we're, really, we're not. there is. Here's the thing, and this is what you guys and and you joke about that. But there is. I'm being serious. I know. I know we're changing lives. <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's dudes out there, you know, Broncos fans that. They dig this South Stands podcast and they download it. And you know what? For an hour or two hours a week, whatever it is, like you guys crack them up. You bring a smile to their face, like you. And and there's people like you don't even you don't even know these guys, and they'll never reach out to you. That's why anyone that does send an email or a tweet at Nate Crackman at Cecil Lamy, thank you. Just thank you. It it blows you away. I remember after all these years, years ago, it still blows you away because you're like years ago. Mm -hmm. I was talking with Sigmund Bloom, who's obviously a big influence on on everything in my life, and I was like, you know, it's cool. We got a podcast and we got football guys, but I I want the feeling of helping people. And Sigmund's like, we do. And I'm glad glad you mentioned Sigmund because he, along with you, obviously, and the Audible. They're part, they're the voices. Th- these are the voices of my life. I, you know, Sigmund is a hero of mine personally because he has this love and passion for the game of football. Yet some of the lessons that I I, I think of um, what was the the Zen master, the former coach of the Phil Bulls, Jackson. Phil Jackson. He he imparted on his players not just game plan but mentality, and I I have. I'll find myself at times thinking to myself, what, what would Sigmund Bloom do? Like, the, the, his voice has, in, has penetrated me, and, I, and I've, I've fortunately become acquaintances and, and friends with Sigmund over the years. But, but when, I, when I listen to the shows, and it, that kindness and generosity that comes through is, is something that has it's kind the, of stayed It's the me. relationships that we miss. And, Nate, I'll, I'll have to call you out here. Because after my last show, the Cecil Lammy show, after that one, I was like, are you going to cry like I did? Because in the first segment, I got I didn't think I was up. going to. And at the end of your show, and I you did. did. I did. You did. I was such a pain. And I, as soon as it ended, and I hit the talk back button, and I told Raj and Brantley, who were in the control room, I was like, I can't believe I did it. But I did. It, you know, at the why, very end. Why? Tell us why. Take us through the emotions. I was talking, just for the listeners that may not have listened, I was talking about John Regal. When the fan did their 20th anniversary show, nobody mentioned me. I was there for four years. I knew they wouldn't mention me because I was working for a competitor at the time before we had breakfast. Mm. Uh, but I brought up John Regal, who, if longtime Denver sports fans will remember, was the ultimate football guy. And he had passed on before I had even started in radio. And when I was hired by Tim Spence and he introduced me to Mike Evans and Sandy Clough the first time at the old 950, the fan studios on Monaco, he said, this is our new John Regal. And I've been trying, I'm getting chills talking about him right now. I've been trying to live up to John Regal. People, there may be people who don't even remember him. Like, I'm trying to live up to that every single time because he knew football, you know, off the top of his head. That's why I got emotional. But yeah. why, why did you get For emotional? me, it was just knowing that it was never going to be the same. 
You know, it's, you know, you're in that situation and we all experience it anytime that you leave a job, but, and when you're in it, you know, it's, you're just thinking about the job and you're not always appreciating your coworkers or anything like that. But for me, it was just sitting in that studio. Why did studio. you look at me when you said that? <laughs> but, but hold on, but wait, but sitting you, in that you, studio. you guys are two of the most talented people in this business in this town and you're almost talking like you're 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 done. No, this is no, it. no. And no. I am thinking We're I'm thinking you guys are going to be on the air in, in a week. I'm like wh- you know why are you so I'm upset? on Saturday, don't worry. Okay. But 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 no, I I I just talking about being in that situation and knowing like okay, like like Raj and Jeff on the other side of the glass and Knowing that, you know, those guys and they're young guys and young in their radio career and, you know, they had been with me for a few years and everything like that. It's you kind of feel that like it's funny, like like my last show with Tommy, I didn't know it was my last show with Tommy. And my last show with CJ, I didn't know it was my last show with CJ. That's normally how it works in radio. Right. It's, gone. right. it's, yeah. it's very rare that you actually know, like, this is the last one we're doing. So sitting right there and just being with those guys. That that was the part. Of I'd it almost was... wish we had gone out to breakfast on the last day, like that. In looking back on court. it, having to do those last three weeks on the air, it was weird. Knowing that we were done, it was weird. Knowing that the and, and rarely talking about it, I rarely talked about it in those three weeks. I cracked a few jokes. I, I just tried to do a normal show. Yeah. Um, there's part of me that wishes, like, I wish we just would have went to breakfast and it would have been over. Yeah. There was a there's a segment I played. Uh, I listened to. And I think I played it on the fan cast a couple of years ago. There was a segment of sports talk radio from another market, and I can't remember where it was, where the, f- the, f- the two fellas are on air, and they've just been notified via text. It was in Chicago. It does sound – that sounds correct. Yeah, it was actually – one of those two hosts is a guy named Alex Quigley who lived four doors down from me my freshman year in Blaisdell Hall at the University of Illinois. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it was him – and another dude who is who was also an Illinois grad. He was a sports writer uh, when I was there for the Daily Illini for the student paper. But yeah, on air, and it wasn't a text. They saw a column by the That's local right. media columnist <laughs> that was written like this. They had, they had the opportunity to light that station up. This and station they did. is going under, and yeah. and yeah, oh, they they roasted him. Yeah, well, get, it was. Better, that's better a heck of a way to learn. You better be right about it, though, because better be right <laughs> about this stuff. <laughs> um, listen, we I could talk about this all night, but we 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 got to start wrapping it up. And I and I want to I want to shift over to a little bit of Broncos talk. Um, you guys, we always do this to our listeners. They they hang out the whole time, just yeah. waiting for us to talk about the upcoming well, listen, Bronco we, game. We got we got two guys that know a few things. They they know a few things about the the uh, the game of football, if if you know what I mean. And uh, I want to shift into that. Talk about this uh, this game um many different things going on here i i think one of the big things is you know um we've been through a roller coaster this year with the broncos with the peyton manning uh, brock osweiler saga um i guess i ask this every year but is it just going to end in tears yet yeah. again is yeah. it is it going to end in tears yeah Cecil told me one year that they were gonna they were gonna win the Super Bowl. Which and year? I, and I and I believed him. Twenty thirteen, probably. It was probably. Yeah, no, you were wrong. Right. You're twenty twelve. If you would have said they're gonna win the Super Bowl in twenty twelve, because I was saying that in twenty twelve, the year they lost to Baltimore. Yeah, they could have. That was the best won. team. Yeah. In that was the best chance they had with Peyton Manning. And I'll say this: they they will get to the Super Bowl this year. You think so? And, and they will lose to I, Arizona or, or Carolina. Carolina or Seattle again. Ooh. I feel the same way. Wow. I feel the exact same way. I feel like right the now AFC is theirs. I, I, I the Pittsburgh game. I, I feel like 
things have aligned a certain way, and I think the Peyton Manning story can't be overlooked. No, no, no. Don't, let's tell the truth. You're wearing Avante's perfect jersey right now as we record. <laughs> things fell a certain way. Perfect fell on Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown's concussed. That's why the Steelers lose on Sunday. Yeah, I feel the same so way. So you're convinced. You're convinced. It's just not – I mean, if – You're trying to say he's playing possum. Like, there's no way. I know Roethlisberger is the toughest quarterback in the NFL, but, but he could hit, He could barely throw at the end of that hit, game, right? He could barely throw in that yeah. game. At the end of that game, who had the stronger arm, Peyton or Roethlisberger? <laughs> it's about a tie. It's yeah. about a, about it's a, a tie. I mean, I mean that's yeah. – going back and watching the second half of that San Diego game again, watching some of Peyton's throws, they look exactly the same as they did before. Before he got hurt, right before he went out, it, it's it's don't and let, the fact that Michael Schofield's still getting first team reps, it's like the, why? Let's why not is, delude wait, let's, let's ourselves deal, into thinking that. there's this new healthy Peyton Manning. It's he's still okay, thirty nine. He, but he the the thing is, and I and I was all for Brock. Don't get me wrong, but he he possesses a certain uh you know a gravitas set of, a, gravitas yes je ne sais quoi. A, a certain a certain je ne sais quoi. whatever you want to call it. When he got in that game, they commanding they, presence. They, they pooped a little. The Chargers were like, "Uh oh," because they knew that he's going to be able to pick them apart, even with a noodle. Here's on. the beauty of that, though. Like, okay, so so Peyton goes into that game, and they were uh, San Diego's prepared for Brock. Brock can't read a defense. Really, Brock had a bunch of bad luck turnovers. Peyton should have never yeah, been on the field. Yeah. Oh, Brock yeah. got hosed. Brock yeah, played was some, a, a good game. The not a Eman- great game. I tell you, which one killed him? The Emmanuel Sanders fumble. Yeah. If they score there, it's what fourteen nothing right, right there. Brock's never going out of that game. If no, Peyton gets in, not. it's because they're up twenty seven to three. Exactly, that's what's going to happen. So Brock ran into a little bit of bad luck right there. But here's the thing, and I've been arguing this all season long. It doesn't matter who's playing quarterback for the Broncos. They're no. the same because they're both. Yeah. Well, I don't think they're the same. They're just both equally flawed in right. different ways. Is what it is in that. Uh, Brock can do everything Peyton can't. He can move. He can throw the ball down the field. Sacks or picks, which one do you want? Exactly. That's really what it is. So it it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback for this team because both of them uh, are so flawed and so limited in what they can do and what they cannot do. So, you know, Brock being banged up, Peyton's the guy this week. It's... Let me ask you this, They should win this week. Was was the move from Osweiler back to Manning... Was that a, a stroke of brilliance on Kubiak's part or wishy-washiness? Or was, it, or was it set up the it, whole it time? It definitely wasn't wishy-washy, and I, I don't buy into the narrative like the, the tinfoil hat, like it was set up the whole time, although chemtrails are real. Uh, I, I <laughs> yes, will say this. Yes, hey, Smithsonian right. had a report on it last week. Anyway, um, I will say this. It was the right move at the right time. I don't think it was structured. I don't think it was, this is the week we bring it back. It was a frustrated coach. I think it was a frustrated coach knowing yeah. what was on the line. He yeah. made the right move at the right time. After and, that corner blitz, Kubiak was pissed. Yeah. Yeah, is Kubiak was... the right coach for the Denver Broncos? Yes. Yes, yeah, yes. he could. Yes, he is. Uh, you, you said something. You said something about it being a 90s offense. Mm-hmm. Is there something to that where he's not – he hasn't quite adjusted to the I will say this. NFL? Last year against the New England Patriots, Baltimore had two 14-point leads. And if it wasn't for Nick Saban weird formations that are now illegal in the NFL, the Ravens win. So you go up against Tom Brady at full strength with everybody firing. It's not this year's Tom Brady, okay? That Gary Kubiak offense with Joe Flacco, who's a lot like Brock Osweiler in terms of being not reading everything he's supposed to, that team had two 14-point leads in a playoff game against New England. 
high-powered eventual Super Bowl champion, thanks Pete Carroll, New England. So is it a 90s offense? Yes. But if you have a hell of a defense, you can run the ball, you can use play action, it'll still work. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Um, it, Peyton's done. He's, he's off after this. He plays yeah. for Cleveland next year. Really? <laughs> Cleveland, not Houston. Unless you for the listeners, for the listeners, Cecil Lammy's expression right now is dead. Yeah, I, I thought he was joking, but he, no. he didn't crack no, a smile. No, unless Hugh Jackson says no thanks. I mean, why? Because they've got a really good offensive line. They can they can kind of keep him upright. No, or what? because the Cleveland owner and Peyton Manning are thick as thieves. Guys, you know? he's like not this. in the league next year. I don't think he so. Plays yeah, I, I agree with you. Man. I just, I he know. won't. He won't go out. He won't go out. He'll he's go got, out on a stretcher. He's got, he's got one more way. win. One more win to get the record. <laughs> It's got to be regular season. Yeah, one more season. playoff he's, wins don't count. He's got to play another season to get that one win. Okay, let's just That's say it. let's just say they win the Super Bowl. Colin has to drink his pee as he's as he's bet. He's dr- he's going to drink eight his- ounces. Wait, that's what you've agreed to? Yeah. Eight ounces of my own pee. Hey, hey, it's got to be ice cold. Two years in a row. I, I heard Captain Bronco make a bet with you. If anyone but the Broncos win, he's going to drink his pee. That's right. That and I said, bad, gonna, I said you're going to. I said you're going to take the field. <laughs> that's a bad. Like, Where's okay. What Whatever. is what is the beverage of choice before you do this? It's after that counts. I. I First of all, the pee must be ice cold because it's the warmth that'll no, mess no, 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 with you. No, 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 you uh, because we all oh, know. I will have been drinking Coors the entire <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, you got to okay. be really drunk yeah. to do this. Yes, okay, yes, exactly. I got to be really drunk first, <laughs> and then it's a shot of it's a shot of tequila afterwards to kill any germs that may reside. I recommend you're in a sterile. We all know that you're in a sterile. You're yeah, good, so it yeah, should be good. okay. Yeah. Should, I don't think it'll make me sick. It might make everybody around me sick. And the in the the host Eight bar ounces? may have an issue with it. It's a, you know like a highball class. Oh. Yeah, that goes tough. down smooth. I could fill up this forty answer right now, just sitting here. So, Look, I mean, <laughs> soldiers, soldiers who were POWs in Vietnam did the same thing, and they came out. Fine. So well, you're kind of an American hero. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. So, so if you know, if that goes down, that's that's what's going to happen. But let's say that he 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 wins the Super Bowl. I mean, then he's got to be like, see you later. I, I think it's a possibility. Oh, if he, he wins the playing. Super Bowl. I, you even you would agree with that, right? Yeah, he's, he's done. done. If he wins the Super Bowl, he's done. Plus, he recoups all of his four million. It's two million for winning the AFC Championship, yep. and it's another two million for winning the Super Bowl. So his four million dollar pay cut is gone. He's motivated. Do you think that weigh[s] into it? Do you think that's well? That's you mentioned add a San Diego. Diego. He's motivated. Yeah. No, no, this, no. This gets back to our eternal Tebow debate when people are like, "He fires him up." You're supposed to be. Yeah. Sure, I will yeah. say this though: you mentioned San Diego puckering up. No, no, no. It was the Broncos players that did. Okay, and and maybe you know, I don't want to compare Tim Spence to Peyton Manning, but we had different shows with different leadership. Can we agree on that? Yes, we yeah. agree on that. When we were, eh, let's say Brock's in, I only listen you're to a little so bit, much. You're a little bit uh, looser, a little more free flowing. Peyton comes in. Oop, I got to get everything right. I got to get everything good, correct. Good point. And they that's all that's up. who tightened up, not the Chargers. The Chargers. They'll be prepared to They're play terrible. Peyton Manning. They're just not good, yeah. okay? Everyone blowing bubbles at Green Bay now. You beat Washington, okay? Washington's not good. Blowing no. bubbles at Kansas City. Here's my shot for Matt Moore. Like, Alex Smith <laughs> is still a slappy. Like, you beat a horrible team. Congratulations. Let me ask you an honest question, hmm. okay? I'm going to give you three options. Okay. You can have one of these quarterbacks to start for the Broncos Sunday against the Steelers and it's this all exists in a vacuum. Don't worry about experience with the team, blah, blah, blah. Comfortable comfort in the offense. Peyton Manning, Brock Osweiler, Alex Smith. It's Alex Smith. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Thank you very much. Yeah. Just because he's, he's, 
he's serviceable. Well, right? and really, he's playing he's per- really well right now. And he's now. perfect for he's perfect for a Kubiak perfect offense for, for that offense for that team. He's run for over 500 yards this season. Leading rusher at quarterback this Not year. turning the football Don't over right turn now. The ball I tell you what, you watch Alex Smith right now, and does Alex Smith frighten you the way like a Tom Brady or a Cam Newton does? No, of course not. But you watch Alex Smith right now, and I, I look at Kansas City. I think they're legit. I, I think, think they'll be here for the AFC Championship. I think they're Here's going the problem with that, though. Macklin's really hurt. Yeah, he he is. Yeah, he's is severely limited. And if they have to go to Albert Wilson or Chris Conley, I New mean, England's offensive line is so bad right now. It's going to be a but steady he's got Edelman back. So he's got bad. Amendola back. He's got weapons. Now, Gronkowski had got a weird, Chandler like, Jones did he get his knee marijuana. cut or not <laughs> cut Yeah, Cron- Gronk was not at practice today. There's conflicting reports about that. Read it on the Football Guys newsletter about whether or not he got an injection in that knee. The latest report Ooh. says he did not get an injection in the knee. So you've got a weird Gronk situation, but you have Edelman back. Yeah. And I think Brady's going to lean on him heavily. And Sebastian Vollmer says he feels good, too. Can I just ask you guys, and we're all well north of 30 here, but still. What's the deal well with synthetic north. marijuana? Yeah, that's. Uh, I was just going to ask that. And was Gronkowski? I was going to say, what's the deal that? with Belichick's black eye? <laughs> like, what's there's that? What's too. the mystery behind that? But synthetic marijuana. And I remember reading an article what's about it a few years ago. Marijuana? And the college football players, those kids, they're all into it because it doesn't show up on drug tests. But that, I, that stuff is go. supposed to be awful for you. Hey, it's terrible. It's it's the same thing that uh, a buddy of ours he used to tell me that. Um, he couldn't really get alcohol because he couldn't find people to buy it, but LSD was readily available. <laughs> so here you've got That's teenagers. Like the same thing. Teenagers, they're like, well, we can't get a couple beers, so let's take some acid. I remember So it's this. probably that type of thing. I had, uh, I had a buddy in college, and his dad was a Chicago cop, like an old-school Irish Chicago cop. And he, was, he had come down one weekend, and he was hanging out with us, and he was telling us this story about uh, busting a group of kids – that were doing inhalants, mm-hmm. that were huffing varnish or w- w- whatever chemicals like whippets. they were putting down. And he said that he told these kids, and, and this is an old-school, tough Chicago cop, he was like, I can't believe I'm going to tell you this because I used to beat up hippies in the 60s, but seriously, smoke dope. You would be <laughs> oh, way better absolutely. off with that stuff than you would be Abs- with this. Oh, absolutely. Um yeah, we used to huff gas out of the gas can. You just go into the garage and people would huff gas and then watch someone stagger around the garage for for fifteen minutes. Every now and then, out front the shop here, you'll see a guy wandering up and down the street with silver spray. Oh, paint. Yeah, I say gold paint on his. I face. thought that was yeah. just from Mad Max. Well, it's no, kids. It's real. It's, no. real. It, it's kids. Yeah, it's we, real. we all did the it's sharpies r- as kids, right? We all did at that. The, at the Ace Hardware, <laughs> right down the street, many colors of spray paint are on a shelf that you can just grab it in certain colors. Are behind a cage. Yeah, the gold, the gold and the silver, gold the, metal, silver. the metallics yeah. were yeah. a really good shop. Real quick, I'm gonna ask you guys uh, two things, and then we'll get you out of here. Um, is it? Uh, I, I want you, I want your your prediction for who will be in the Super Bowl, and I also want to know is this is this going to be Brock's team starting next year? Is he going to be the guy, or is it going to be somebody else? It'll be Brock. They don't have any other option. It won't be Brock. Wow. It won't be Brock. Opinion. They're going to go oh, free agency. Mm. They'll grab a free agent. Now, what's interesting is Chip Kelly in San Francisco. Because does Chip Kelly do something with Colin Kaepernick to make him available? Kaepernick, Virgil Green's favorite guy. Um, Kaepernick here on a couple years. 
It really comes down to what Brock will accept. If that number is around 10 and mostly guaranteed, let's say two for 20. Cecil, this is why they pulled him out of that game. So he didn't win it and become a hero in the playoffs. No, so no, no, no. Keep no, his no. price down, Cecil. Easy there. Easy there. see the tinfoil coming out of we my hat? we got Alex Jones over here at <laughs> InfoWars.com. But you. here's the thing. It, if he takes a two for 20 deal, he'll probably stick around. But there's some team out there, name a team that needs a quarterback, that would throw a lot more money at him. So with Brock, it's going to become, do I want to stick around or do I want to take the money and run? Most guys in that situation will take the money and run. So thus, I Go think on. they draft. This is the year they draft a quarterback in the first round. His name is Carson Wentz, North Dakota State. Look him up. He reminds me of a better passing Jake Plummer. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks of this year's class. They take him in the first round. They groom him as the eventual guy. They throw in some who free they, agent. Who are they picking up? Name a free agent. Kirk and and it doesn't have to be I Robert. No, agent. it doesn't have to be Robert Griffin or Colin Kaepernick. But insert free agent placeholder here. Mm-hmm. And a guy like Carson Wentz, it could be a Russell Wilson situation where they had Matt Flynn on a very lucrative Their deal. Their defense is still going to be really good next year. And that's why I mean, you, you might put in, lose Wolf and Jackson, but so you've you can't got, blow that window. You've got seven games experience with Osweiler, but does he have... Does he have the it factor? My answer is no. Well, no, but in the short term, isn't he better because he knows this offense and familiarity and comfort no, because he's and not all good of that? At, he's not good at running this offense. If I can get <laughs> Carson Wentz in the first round, and I will make my opinion known to the Broncos, if I can get him in the first round, I do it all day, and I make him your quarterback. I don't care who the free agent is, placeholder, loses job before the season even starts. Is he wow. handsome? That's the question. Yeah, that's really what Colin wants to know. Is he handsome? <laughs> and does his name dashing. rhyme with rock? Because that is pretty awesome. Yes, that is. That. It's really great. That. A, that is a huge side benefit. Absolutely. By the way, by the way, all that smart stuff Cecil just said, it's insane. Brock's going to be back. Okay. Well, uh, well what's uh, we're going to we'll see. That's the, be- that's the beauty of sports is that eventually it works itself out. And Shit, it could be Eli Manning for all we know. <laughs> I will ask you this. Right, and I, 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 I want an answer. I know we're running long, but I want an answer. Why haven't they signed him yet? He had a great preseason, mm-hmm. and I had, oh, they I had signed thought, him last year. I had thought, I had assumed, like, okay, they're going to be in the preseason, and if he does good in the preseason, then they'll then they'll sign him, and they didn't. And then I thought, okay, well, I mean, if there's a chance he gets in, he does good, and then they'll sign him, and they haven't. Mm-hmm. We're going into him being on the open market. They'll have about a week when free agency they starts to no keep him. They had no idea how to set that market before. And they probably, you know what? Actually, they probably did have an idea of how to set that market, and Brock had a completely different idea of how to set that market. Brock and bet it was, on himself. It was nowhere in the same neighborhood. I'm sure he did. Is it now more in the Wouldn't same neighborhood? You? Oh, of course, of course it is. If you're Brock, don't you don't you know? I mean, football players are. My guess is Brock Osweiler signs a three-year, thirty-four, thirty-five million dollar contract. That's about right. And he's back with the Broncos. All right. Yeah, you heard it. I don't think they want to commit to him that long. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. You're right because he did have a good preseason. That's why I thought he'd be good when he took over. I thought he had a good preseason. I think he's gonna he's gonna flourish. He didn't quite do that. So it's it's. I wonder. I wonder a little bit about the guy if there's not a little bit of a not so bright thing kind of going on there. Um, the way Do you he know hand- him? Do you just, hang out no, with him? Do you play just, chess with him? What's the, up? Just the way he handles the media. He's very polished and very, uh, you know, very on point as far as delivering the company line and saying exactly what's expected of him. But there's also a little bit of a Tebow element there, and I remember Tebow not being all that. I remember bright. Brock saying something, and I think it was wasn't it leading up to the New England game where somebody asked him about Bill Belichick, and Brock was like, "Well, I don't really play against Bill Belichick." 
like he you could tell he was trying to flip that script of that thing of like every time Peyton was asked about Tom Brady, well, I don't really play against Tom Brady, right. which is which is actually factually correct. But Brock, you actually are going against <laughs> Bill Belichick. He he's going to be game. And planning for me, and- it comes down to FBI football intelligence. And with Tebow, that's the reason why he failed. It's not because he was a distraction or he couldn't throw. He failed because he's not also smart enough. He couldn't throw though. He, he's not smart enough. It's not smart enough. Bottom line with Brock, I don't think he has that next level factor he'll get you by but you're wasting your time especially if you pass on a quarterback there's going to be four quarterbacks in the first round if you pass on any of those four jared goff name one if you pass on one of those guys because you really believe in brock you're wasting time eh, there's something to that but um i want the most handsome one i know you with do the best name it's good uh <laughs> Not real Garoppolo. quick who, who's going to be in the super bowl let me let me hear it Seattle and oh god, jeez, really? Yeah, Ugh. they're gonna Ugh. be back. No. I don't think so. I think they barely beat the Vikings. Did you watch that? Come on, <laughs> I mean, they barely beat the Vikings. Yeah. They should have lost to the Vikings. Yeah. It was like, like, like zero they kind of Sub zero temperatures. Come it's on, who cares? Now. Yeah, there's there's kind of an equalizer factor that goes on right there. Uh, but no, I think it's gonna be Seattle and New England boring i know even though even though earlier i said kansas city was gonna beat the patriots i think it's going to be denver and cam newton gets his ring wow superman superman i'm going i'm going the exact same way as cecil on that i felt that way for weeks now that's that's i i think that's that uh, means we're wrong by the way colin yeah it's probably (laughs) but that's fairly legit i i I like i do like i feel like almost like it's like this is like the first playoffs where I feel like the remaining teams like like I know Green Bay is like really has an outside shot, but I still feel like they kind of have a shot. Like I feel like any team has a shot at it. There's not one dominant team. Technically, you are correct. Well, I know technically I am, <laughs> yeah, but, but statistically, it's, you're correct. Yes, I hear you there. But, uh, but I, I like the Broncos. I, I like them getting back in, and um, I think I like the Cardinals. I like Arizona. All right. There. All right. And uh, out of the two, I'm I'm got, I'm rooting for the magical ending for Peyton. Uh, that would be, and, that, and that's and that's the one thing we can all take away from all this. If that were to happen, it would be one of the great storylines in NFL history. There will be a thirty for thirty about it someday. I'll drink your pee. You can shoot it across the room, and I'll drink it like this. Ah, if that happens, yeah, yeah. which is almost a better story than Peyton yeah, winning the Super Bowl. So. Super Bowl. And it, and, you know, they will not make a thirty for thirty about that though. <laughs> <laughs> Although if they did, it would not. be riveting. Yeah, I hope not. So um, let's get About out of here. This is across the room. Yeah, this is sixty nine. Yeah, that'll be a good, that, it's a good story. But what um, if I told you? Let's <laughs> <laughs> from across listen, the room. I, this is uh, this is like approaching uh, an hour and forty five minutes, and um, that's I, excessive. I, I, it's excessive, but I I honestly with you guys, I we could go longer, and we could just keep talking, and it would be great. Um, but I imagine there'll be some time in the future we'll we'll, we'll get together again. So I, I I look forward to that. Thanks, fellas. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming in. Best of luck. I know we'll we'll hear you guys soon. We'll hear your uh, your dulcet tones soon. I will say this for the listening audience: just know that there's several changes to come. Awesome. And there will be there will be some action here. What shortly. changes in sports talk radio? That Never. doesn't sound right. Come so on. well, no, and I want to thank you both for the entertainment over the years. And I and I texted you each after your final days on air, uh, and I mean it sincerely. You you are voices in my life, and, and it means and it means a lot. And thank you, absolutely. Thank so, you. 
Thanks again. That means um, a lot. Uh, at Nate Kreckman on Twitter, at Cecil Lammy. While in the meantime, if you need to, if you need to see what these guys are up to, so find them on there, and uh, you'll be the first to know what what's going down. So thanks again, fellas. Appreciate it. Good times and. Uh, until next time. I think time. really they want you to put their LinkedIn profiles. Oh, I do. He, he does too. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't write that. I don't even know t- if I have one I don't know of those. if I wrote that one down I haven't yet, changed mine t- in years. I think it still says I work for 87.7, the ticket. <laughs> yeah, you got to change that. I'm sure you get an email that's, that's reminding you to check it, check your LinkedIn uh, status. So, uh, well, well, great. It was good times, and uh, we'll talk to everybody soon. But until then, this has been the South Stands Denver Fancast. Adios. We love you, Denver! Ground control to Major Tom. Ground control to Major Tom. Take your protein pills and put your helmet on. Ten. Ground control to Major Tom. Seven. Six.